Gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Hello and welcome to the Talent Podcast, the podcast brought to you by The Wheel. I am your host, as always, Adam Hess, and with me is Mike the Miz Regan. Mike the Miz Regan, how are you doing today? Calling me that, I don't like that. Have I done that one before? I feel like I did yeah. that one before. Yeah, you did that one. Should right. we restart? Should I do something else? I don't know. Do you have anything else in you? Mike the Man Regan? Maybe Becky Lynch this week? That's fine. Okay. Mike the Man Regan. How are you doing today, Mike? Fantastic. What's with you in that Waffle House sweatshirt? I feel like you wear that. All the time now. It's a comfy sweatshirt. It's a hoodie, by the way. What's the difference? I guess one of them has a hood and one of them doesn't. That would <laughs> really be finding quality there. <laughs> Do you not just call them all a sweatshirt? No. So what's the difference? No, okay, we're at, never mind. I'm not going to get into fabric discussions with you okay. right, at the start of our football podcast. And a football podcast it is, Mike. Mike, we are wrapping up this week of NFL action. Tonight is Monday Night Football. Between the Lions and someone else who isn't the Lions. The Raiders, I believe. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> I think Garoppolo's playing, right? Oh, man. The line must have shifted. LA minus 14 and a half. Or LA. LA. <laughs> Las Vegas minus 14 and a half. If you had to guess what the final score of that game is going to be, what would your guess be? Um, like 24-13 Lions. Damn, Lions ain't even breaking 30 against the Raiders? I don't think so. Wow. Well, it's the end of the Dan Campbell era, I fear. Fucking done. Hey, did you see the onside kick that the Cardinals pulled off against the Ravens? I did not. So Cardinals were down two scores. Pull mm-hmm. off an onside kick, go down score, and they try to onside kick again. But the first onside kick, Matt Pratter, Kicks a beautiful high bouncing ball right off the tee. Mm-hmm. Guess who on the hands team for the Ravens fumbles it and gives it up to the Cardinals? Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown's on the Cardinals. <laughs> oh, you said who on the hands team fumbled it from the Ravens? I'm going to say Rashad Bateman. Nelson Aguilar. Ah, uh, you can't do that, man. You can't do that. Like, he has to know about the clip at this point, right? Yeah, I, I'd imagine. Pretty tough to have that not following you around for the rest of your life. If you're Nelson Aguilar, you got to make sure that you catch everything thrown your way from now on. Like, it doesn't matter if you go down immediately. It doesn't matter if you average one catch on six targets because you're just walking across the field instead of running because you want to make sure you can grab that fucking ball. Yeah. You can never drop the ball again. And this guy fucks up an onside kick. Unexcusable. Probably should be cut. Probably should uh, never play football again. I'm just kidding. Damn. <laughs> All right, Mike. It is Monday, October 30th. Happy near Halloween, by the way. Yeah, sir. Which means, as always, for the Monday edition of the Talent Alone podcast, we start by bringing you the Monday morning headlines. What is the greater football community talking about on the Brand Monday enough. following the Sunday of NFL action? Mm-hmm. I appreciate the confirmation, but Mike, I understand that you know what's going on. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes I have a look on my face like I'm not really there, not paying attention. So sometimes I just got, I'm an active listener. That's good. That. that gets you all the checks, I bet. Yes, uh, Monday morning headlines. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I think the first headline, the biggest headline of the week that I want to get to, I initially had a sick headline written down for this uh, that was, it's always sunny in New Jersey. Uh, but we really got to talk about QB injuries as a whole, not just Tommy DeVito. Yeah. So here is a list of all of the teams that started a backup quarterback or had to sub in a backup quarterback during the game. Giants, Steelers, Titans, Falcons, Vikings, Rams, Browns, Colts, Cardinals, Bears. All of those teams either started a backup quarterback or at some point had to bring a backup quarterback in. It's damn near a third of the league. It's 10 teams. <laughs> it's more than... Wait. There's 32 in the league, There's brother. 32. I was just really bad at math. I was like, oh, right, 32 divided by 10, that's 3.2. What does that mean now? I have no idea. <laughs> You're doing it wrong. It's to be 10 divided by 32. So you want to you wanna start at the top here and we'll just run through some of these things that went on? Yeah, sure. So for starters, we got to talk about the Giants. Giants. Perennial feels like a backup guy who, for some reason, is starting. Daniel Jones was already out this week. Terod Taylor, backup. Poor Terod Taylor, once again, takes one directly to the lungs, snaps his ribs, ends up in the hospital. Uh, which can only mean that Tommy DeVito is now going to be an arguable top five quarterback on a team that can never win a playoff game. He is out of the hospital now, but I like to imagine that he was sitting there waiting in a room and then the doctor pulled back the curtain and it was the trainer that stabbed him with the needle. No. Good Halloween prank. (laughs) Yeah. You know, those classic Halloween pranks people do. Um, so just talking about Tommy DeVito a little bit here. Tommy DeVito was fucking terrible. I mean, Minus so bad. Negative one yard. Yeah, it's not great. Negative one yard. Mike, do you realize that his passing numbers are a mathematical paradox? How so? So Tommy DeVito went two for seven for negative one yard, correct? Mm-hmm. Which means that he averaged negative 0.5 yards an attempt. All still making sense? Yeah. But that means that he averaged more positive yards than his total yards. Whoa, that is a paradox. (laughs) That is paradoxal. On average, every attempt he threw went for negative 0.5 yards, which was more than his game total of negative one yard. He's a special player, this DeVito. You know, they talked about him uh, his, when he was getting scouted going into the draft at the University of Illinois. They're like, this guy defies mathematics, okay? He laughs at, at mathematics. I got a lot of notes on this game later on when we get to the weekly awards. Um, you want to you wanna be the guy that makes the jokes, or you want me to talk about how this guy's name is literally Joe <laughs> Pesci's character's name from Goodfellas? Is it Tommy DeVito? Yeah. Oh, wow. I couldn't tell you his last name. I'm a little embarrassed as a uh, Scorsese stan. Yet you haven't seen Killers of a Flower Moon. Yeah, well, I was supposed to, but I got distracted doing work for our website. Yeah, well, I went and saw it. How was it? It's really good. It's really I imagine. Good. Yeah. You should read the book first, though. No, books are for nerds. <laughs> hey, how dare you? Books are for cool guys that know how to actively listen and get girls. What were you saying? You, you got lots of notes on this? You want to talk about it now or you want to talk about it later? Asked for one of my awards. Oh, okay. Damn, not even an award you wrote down. Okay. So, next up, talk about the Steelers. Kenny Pickett starts. Uh, Mitch, as, as you and I 
Always text back and forth. The titty kisser Trubisky mm-hmm. comes in for him in relief. Goes 15 for 27, 138 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. You know how they talk about LeBron James, how like there should be a term for the LeBron James stat line. It's like 27 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. Mm-hmm. This should officially be called Trubisky. If someone throws like just over 50% for one touchdown and two interceptions, that should just be called a Trubisky. That's the, the titty kissing stat line. That's the titty kissing stat line. That's what no. got him all those titties when he was at UNC. That sounds like way too good. Like if you hear he had a titty kissing stat line, you'd be like, oh, must play pretty good. But no, no, he, he did not. So you got to be in the loop. I don't like Mitch Trubisky goes to show you that getting laid is all swagger and no looks because he is a dorky looking motherfucker. Uh, he's kind of got like a polo wearing. I did crew in high school. Yeah, he's, what's going on? he's got like the Josh Allen handsomeness. How dare you? Where they both they both kind of look like dudes who you could see playing like croquet. How dare you? Josh does not have. I mean, sometimes he does do like the swoosh with the hair. Not his best look. He looks way too preppy for me. I like I like rugged Wyoming farm Josh. But we're getting way off topic and into some very uh, creepy territory. I mean, do you think? Do you think rugged outdoor or outdoorsman chopping wood, Josh, or do you think playing croquet, Josh, got him Haley Steinfeld? Definitely rugged, Josh. Hmm. Even though he can't really grow a beard, still rugged, Josh. Yeah, not, but he has he has that rugged beard. <laughs> rugged in the sense that it doesn't grow in all over his face, just Kenny, in certain parts of his face. You think Kenny Pickett is better looking than Mitch Trubisky? I do. I do think Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett looks like what hockey players looked like before they all turned into nerds. I don't know. Trubisky has the better jawline. He has a better jawline, but Kenny Pickett looks like he longboards places. That is true. Good point. He's a cool guy. He looks like he... What is, what's that thing people do at the beach with like the really small... Like skimboarding? Looks like yeah. he's a mad skimboarder. Hey, have, have you seen the new Top Gun yet? No. Can I complain about it for a second anyways? No, why not? In that movie, okay, you know the famous volleyball scene from Top Gun 1? Of course. So in Top Gun 2, their version of that is they play football with two footballs. So you always have to be on both offense and defense, right? Don't you always have to be on both offense and defense when you play volleyball? Yeah, but they couldn't just retread the same game. So they had to do something different. Okay, what about basketball? Are they also wearing jeans in that scene in the second one? Yeah. Ugh. Just the thought of Sandy Denham makes me uncomfortable. That was uh, actually, when I first tried to get into the industry, that was my porn star name. Sandy Denham. <laughs> I kind of like it. Call me. That's a pretty good one. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about more football? Or? Probably. What were we talking about like three things ago? I feel like I had another point to make. I think it gets hurt. Uh, you know what? Talk about the way quarterbacks look. Is there a bigger looking doofus in the league right now than Sam Howell? Um, I mean, he looks like slight. He looks, he looks like Baker Mayfield. Like if something happened to Baker Mayfield and he disappeared and didn't show up for a Bucks game, they could just grab Sam Howell and the refs would have no idea. He kind of looks like if Baker Mayfield ate a bunch of pot gummies because he thought they were just regular gummies. You're also swayed because he plays for your team. So every time he does something wrong, you're just like ugly. I'm not saying he's ugly. I'm saying he looks like a doofus. Doofus. 
you gotta you gotta pull a picture of him while I'm talking about the Titans here. He legitimately looks like a guy who made two platters of brownies, one that are special brownies and one that aren't special brownies, and then accidentally ate all of the special brownies. Yeah, he has like the shaggy like hair going on. It definitely he makes him look very stoned in his his, his player picture. They'll sometimes cut to him after he does something, and it it's just like it's that you know he still has his helmet on, so it's just like eyes and mouth are all you can see. And the guy looks like he doesn't really understand what's going on at any given time. That's like, they'll secret. cut to him after, like, a four-yard run. Like, he'll hand it off to Brian Robinson. Brian Robinson will run four yards. Then they'll cut to Sam Howell, and Sam Howell looks, like, confused by the concept of a four-yard run. So he lulls teams into a false sense of security. And then, bam! 400 yards, four touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> so the Titans also had a backup quarterback start. That Which, one worked out better than everybody else's. It did. Can I, right now, start the petition to just have them go back to being the Oilers? Those uniforms yeah. looked crisp. Looking good, brother. Some the Tennessee Oilers? Is there oil in Tennessee? There's oil everywhere, right? Cars? Yeah, sure. And right? To put push back on my own question, how many Jaguars are there in Jacksonville? Good question. How many Bills are there in Buffalo? You know, I know I'd have, to, I'd have to check out the census data to give you an answer on that one. <laughs> Anyways, Tannehill's ruled out pregame third string quarterback. Will Levis. I mean, I guess they technically didn't have like a second string, but he was third string on the depth chart. Will Levis makes his first career start. Goes 19 for 29, 238 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Good game. Ah. But you know what? All the credit in the world to DeAndre Hopkins, who pulled off the most blatant Offensive pass interference of the week for a touchdown. And then pulled off a sick double move for another touchdown. Pushing off shouldn't be pass interference. It's not my fault that your secondary got bullied. Yeah. Uh, my take is just, if you're a wide receiver, commit OPI every single rep. Yeah. How often, like, it, Mike, how many football games do you think you've sat down and watched this year? A lot. Yeah. Can you recall a single offensive pass interference? The only time it gets called is in like a big moment of the game, like fourth and five to keep a drive going or, you know, third and 12. And then a receiver will make a great catch. And then in comes the ref to be a douchebag and call OPI. Also, every time it's called, they cut to the booth and it's just Chris Collinsworth going, uh, I don't know if that was a pass interference there. He's a former wide receiver. So he's always yeah. going to be ticky tacky. That's ticky tacky. I, I've never gone back and watched collinsworth Bengals game tape i cannot imagine that guy running like a go route like it like does this quarterback throw it and it's just like the ball's in the air and he's like hey here's a ball that's gonna be well within my catch radius uh, for some reason in my head i'm thinking of collinsworth Bengal highlights and he looks the exact same he does yeah, now that's, i can't imagine young collinsworth either he kind of looks like everyone's grandpa to me yeah it definitely does not compute let's uh let's finish going through these these quarterbacks Atlanta Falcons switch to Taylor Heineke after the half. Desmond Ritter, initially in the concussion protocol, gets cleared, doesn't come back in. Uh, Arthur Smith insists that there's no quarterback controversy, but boy, sure sounds like a quarterback controversy if you ask me. Mm -hmm. uh, Heineke goes 12 for 21, 175 yards, one touchdown. Nothing notable there. I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about the Falcons for our Falcon segment where we talk about the Falcons. Okay. But... It's you're you're replacing the blind with the deaf to a level like neither one of these guys is really an NFL starter and you're going to get spike games from either one of them. 
Yeah. Um, Pick your poison. Arthur Smith, I think in his post-game presser, said they have faith in, in Desmond Ritter to make it sound like they're, they're going back to him. But Faith is a great word for it. <laughs> everybody can have faith in something. Uh, it could be a situation where it's a pretty short leash. Yeah, but then, then that... again, like you said, pick your poison. Like, what is it? If Heineke comes in, what is it really going to do? I mean, maybe you're going to get a couple like explosive plays where he does weird Heineke shit, but that's about it. Uh, Vikings, Kirk Cousins goes down with an Achilles tear. Uh, first thought, well, Jaron Hall comes in, goes three for four for 23 yards. Who cares? First thought, Mike, Kirk Cousins, career-ending injury, yes or no? He's mid-30s, right? 35. <clears throat> 35, 35, okay. Going into uh, be a free agent. Yeah, spot on mid-30. I don't know if it's career-ending with modern-day science and whatnot, but it definitely kills his next contract value. Yeah, I mean, he's going this offseason. He was going to be a free agent, so and, no one's going to sign him. Yeah, and with QB being, like, the most important position in the league, I'm sure someone would have been like, ah, you know, we'll take Cousins for, like, two years decent chunk of change for those two or three seasons and he's not going to get i mean who knows if he gets any contract offers until he comes back from the achilles and maybe does some workouts and team c yeah that's Kirk cousins he's bouncing back only have one achilles look at him go since he's <laughs> thank you collinsworth um <clears throat> since i'd like outside of cam Akers, who came back from an achilles tear in like six weeks or whatever that was What's the, what's the, what time period do you think when you hear Achilles? I think a full year. I, yeah, I think, I think a full year, which means that we're talking about week eight next season is when we could think, all right, Kirk Cousins can come back now. That's why when Rodgers was like on the field before a Jets game, he was staying there casually throwing a football and people were like, look at Rodgers, look at him out there already being able to stand. I was like, that, that part's not that impressive. It's, can he put pressure on the Achilles? Can he outside run? His, yeah, like, that doesn't show how far along is he. He's not going to be back in two months. Sorry about it. Yeah, I mean, I had a tendon repaired in my foot, and that took, like, eight months before I could jog. Well, you're obviously not him. I don't tell you. <laughs> yeah. That's what they always say. They say you're not Timothy Butler. Um mm-hmm. One other injury, just want to hit on real quick. Uh, Brett Rippon comes in after Matt Stafford injured his thumb by punching a helmet when he follows through on a pass. Goes 5 for 10, 42 yards. Um, Mike, Brett Rippon, is that your favorite Rippon? That might be my favorite Rippon. It's not Rippian. No, it's Rippon. Rippon? Mm-hmm. He was out like there bongs. He was out there ripping it 5 for 10 for 42 yards. <laughs> Why is it that a thumb injury to me seems like the most matt stafford injury yeah it also it, even to make it more matt staffordy it's a thumb injury that he then played through for like a quarter and a half then did he decide that it was, it was too much he couldn't keep yeah going? i think I, once the game was out of hands i think mcveigh pulled him yeah what, what's the point he could he could injure his index finger next hey are we sure that mcveigh's not gambling on games why he had that field goal he hit earlier in the season that was meaningless, except then the Rams covered the spread. And this week he kicked a meaningless field goal again. This made the Rams Cowboys game hit the over. Is McVay betting on these games? You think the league's question about it and he just flashes a smile and Jedi mind tricks him. Yeah. Talk about a handsome quarterback. (laughs) 
I am not betting on the games. <laughs> oh my god, he talked to me. We should hire him to be our coach. Ooh. Yeah. And then uh once again, uh teabag for the Browns or for the uh for the Bears, Josh Dobbs for the Cardinals, Gardner Minshew for the Colts, and PJ Walker for the Browns. We're rounding out your backup starters for this week of football action. It Mike, you got like- any more thoughts on uh quarterbacks before we move on to the next headline? I was just going to say, it sounds like Dobbs has for sure one more week, but they're not trading Murray. So. Not trading Murray, right up until they do. I got too much basketball brain for trade deadlines, and I know we're going to talk about the trade deadline here. Yeah. I've just been so basketball-pilled when it comes to the trade deadline mm-hmm. that when someone goes, we're not trading this guy, I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah, and we'll talk about it more in, a, 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 I was going to say a few minutes, but knowing us, it will be four hours from now. But NFL is just no fun. They don't like players to have any power on where they play, so... Not as many trades. It's sad. Not as many trades. Um, Chase Claypool was the lucky one. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike, you got a headline you want to throw at me? You want to toss some salad on that headline? <laughs> what? Yeah, sure. Uh, my next headline is never waver on your priors. Is this going to be I- about Richard Pryor? No, I was a huge Levis guy texting you about him a long, long time ago and then thought I was a genius. And then going into his senior season, he was like top of draft boards, like potential first QB off the board. And I realized, Oh, I'm not ahead of the ball in this. Everybody was thinking the same thing, big body, mobile, strong arm. But then his final season at UK was just so rough, like 2,400 yards, 19 to 10 interceptions. His passer grade that year dropped from 82.3 to 65.8. It, was so rough that all of a sudden his draft stock tar- started to tank. Then he just comes out this week, 18 to 28, 234, four tutties, an adjusted completion percentage of 76%, eight out of 12.3. His touchdowns, listen, to this, his touchdowns were 47 yards, 16 yards, 61 and 33. You know, like Nuke, aka DeAndre Hopkins is ecstatic to finally have a QB with explosive playability. I looked it up. Ryan Tannehill was 8 of 29 on 20-plus yards, 20-plus yard throws. And now he finally has this dude who, if anything, give him a second in the pocket and he can rip it. He could Brett rip it. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, like I said at the top, you got to give D-Hop more credit than Will Levis for two of those touchdowns. But the mm-hmm. uh, Westbrook Akine touchdown he throws... Will Levis has like an 11 step drop on that and does that Lamar Jackson thing where he just kind of like flicks his wrist and the ball is immediately 35 yards downfield. Yeah, you it was see- ridiculous. Remember like the there's like that memeable scene from Ratatouille where the food critic like bites into something and then he flashes memories of his childhood. Every time Levis like uncorked it deep, I like flash back to moments of watching him in college where I was all about him. <laughs> Like it reminded me that that's a good Falcon secondary that he kind of yeah, beat he, up. He demolished them too. <laughs> like not to give you a hint for your uh, predicting their top P- PFF grades, but I'm pretty sure you already already know that this is how it turned out. Jesse Bates, forty five point three overall grade, worst of the season. Yeah, because he kept he was he was in on uh, uh, covering one of those D hop touchdowns. Yeah, even Terrell, who played well, still got beat on the 47-yard touchdown. Not not, uh, not great. But yeah, and I think the Titans play in Pittsburgh this Thursday. 
And even if Tannehill's healthy, night football. Yeah, even if Tannehill's Tannehill is healthy, you gotta give uh, Levis another start. And if he does well and keeps playing well, sorry, Tannehill. And also, this was one of my hot takes. We did a podcast like forever ago, and one of my like predictions was not really that hot take of a prediction. We think about it, but I said at some point, either due to production or injury, Will Levis will start a game for the Titans. Somehow. Okay, let me let me ask you this. What do you think the line is on Titans Steelers? Steelers minus three. Oh, okay, never mind. I, I thought Titans would be favored by one before I'd looked it up. Because is it not gonna be Trubisky again too? I don't know what the update is on Kenny Tiny Hands Picket. Um right now it looks like uh it opened at minus it's Steelers minus four, now it's Steelers minus three. Remember uh in Always Sunny how uh Charlie Charlie's uncle, whenever he meets like the other lawyer, is so like infatuated with his hands. Yeah. That's that's gonna be Pickett when he meets Levis at midfield. <laughs> He's gonna want him to put his hands over his hands. Yes. Picture. Yeah. <laughs> Big week for it's always sunny in the NFL. Yeah. And then I know going into the game, I think Brable said that Malik and Levis would see the field, and then Malik came out and fumbled to end their first drive, and I think he saw one more snap. That was it. Yeah, something like that, which is a very defensive-minded, or I guess Vrabel's not even defensive-minded, right? I mean, was he DC at one point? But he played tight end in the NFL, didn't he? No. He played linebacker? Yeah. He played one there, or two positions. Is there a linebacker or maybe defensive end? No, I'm pretty sure it was linebacker. Anyways, not to get too far off topic, um, I did find, did you see this next-gen stats tweet where they said no. that Will Levis threw three of the ten longest touchdown passes by air distance this season? Damn. The 47-yarder to D-Hop, 33-yarder to Westbrook Akine, and then 61-yarder to D-Hop, which was that uh, the 47-yard touchdown had 56.1 air yards. So it was a longer air yard pass than the actual on-field statistics. Every website that tracks statistics should have air yards and fantasy football air yards should be part of it you figure that out you with all your weird fantasy football <laughs> rules like 40 yeah. plus yards adding a point or whatever um yeah if i'm a, a titans fan soon to be the oilers if i'm an oilers fan i'm really looking at that personally that westbrook akine touchdown pass as this is what this guy can be that was like arm talent like crazy also is he currently our most shredded starting qb Dude's made out of fucking marble. <clears throat> he's got giant biceps. He's like, like, are we sure he's not Ed Hockenley's kid? Ed Hockenley? How do you say it? It's Ed Hockley. I threw an extra syllable in there. You're right. <laughs> you threw an N in there. Ed Hockenley? Yeah. <laughs> the N was for Levis. Um, are we sure he's not Ed Hockenley's kid? Are you just going to double down on that now? Oh, why not? No, I, I don't think so, because he's not. I was trying to think of some way to tie this into making shit calls and wanting to be the biggest star of a football game, but I, I couldn't. What about Steve Hockenley? I don't know who that is. It's this kid who's now an NFL ref. Oh. Deborah Hockenley. Okay, I'm just making it up now. <laughs> uh, that a headline? Yeah. Yeah. Um, We had the... Uh, the Panthers won a game, Mike. Hell yeah, they did. Let's talk about it. It was the Bryce Young versus CJ Stroud showdown. 
And as many people noted, this was like the fourth time in NFL history that the number one seed quarterback has gone up against the number two seed quarterback. Why are you saying seeds? Good question, I guess. Don't you mean drafted? Yeah. Don't know why I called them seeds. I don't know. Anywho. It's because they're rookies and you plant them like seeds and watch them grow. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. There you go. I got you. And Bryce Young sure did grow in this one. Not in height, because he's still very tiny, but in, in, in win percentage. The Panthers walk out with the win. But Mike, who really won the game? Because the Texans covered the spread. So who really won the game? That's what I want to ask you. I mean, I guess Texans betters, but <laughs> that's about it. Stroud goes 16 for 24, 140 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Bryce Young, 22 for 31, 235, one touchdown, zero interceptions. Did take six sacks for 55 yards. Uh, this was the highest passer rating of his career. Mike, mm -hmm. is Bryce Young fixed now? Is he now a good quarterback? I don't know if he's fixed, but we saw a lot of good things and definitely his best game since he joined the NFL. He had some really nice throws to show off what scouts liked. He had the one beautiful pass where he rolled out of a sack and then hit Chark on the move along the sidelines. He showed great touch on the Tommy Tremble tutty. Leads a 15-yard, 15-play, 85-yard drive to set up the game-winning field goal. I was very proud of him. It was also good to see Mingo finally get involved because he was their rookie wide receiver who they really needed to be a factor because they have a number two wide receiver as their number one wide receiver. And Adam Thielen did it to do, do, do. How dare you? How dare you? Adam Dust Thielen is the number one this year. So, I mean, I was definitely taking a victory lap here, you know, with Young winning the game, playing really well. But I have to ask, did 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 Ryan? I'm going to call him the wrong one, D'Amico. Yeah, D'Amico Ryan. D'Amico Ryan just—it seemed like he was really willing to just sit back in this game. 27 dropbacks for Stroud compared to 22 carries for that's just Singletary and Pierce who were average 3.4 a carry collectively. Like, it felt like he was just really willing to sit back and not let Stroud try to go out there and extend the lead and put the game away. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely uh, a weird game from a game con perspective. You kind of do have to wonder how much of that was um, Bobby Slowick too. How much of that was game plan. Noah Brown had a big game. Nico Collins had like a pretty solid game until they they sort of stopped throwing it to him. I don't know what they saw in this Panthers defense that scared them away from the pass. Like, I guess like, uh, what's his face? Horn, um, JC Horn, is that his name? Correct. Yeah, JC Horn is like their best defense player. Like him and Brian Burns. Maybe that scares you out of your passing game when you have kind of a weak team. But still, it it was like the, the one of the least efficient games of C.J. Stroud's career already. He was only 5.8 yards in attempt. Game management-wise, when you're in there and you're like, their offense really hasn't done anything. Like, we held them to 12 points for most of the game, not being really worried. And kind of like our defense can take care of it. But I, that's still a dumb decision in my eyes because you're better off just trying to run the score up, but. You got any thoughts on uh, Miles Sanders being effectively out of the rotation now at running back? Their big off-season free agent signing for that room? Two carries, zero yards. Did he get hurt? Only two carries? No. Oh, yeah, hurt. Yeah, like, not like Chubba Hubbard lit the world up. 
1.9 a carry on 15 attempts. Jesus Christ. 44 total rushing yards for the Panthers. Not not great. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even like that great of a game for the Panthers' offense either. Like, this was a totally winnable game for the Texans. They just sat back, like you said. They were they were very passive, very uh, conservative. Yeah, like my grandmother. Just like most of Houston. Got him. Uh, is it all downhill from here for Bryce Young, Mike? Was this no. the peak? Was this Apex Mountain for Bryce Young? No, this was this was step one. He's going to keep growing this season, and then next year he's going to throw for 4,000 yards, 35 tutties. But once again, probably not in height. No. Okay. <laughs> no one really hits gross spurts at, like, 23 years of age. Yeah. Seems to kind of have been a Giannis thing more than anything else. Yeah. And, and he also Tate got drafted. Thompson. What was he, 19 when Giannis got drafted? Yeah, I think 18. Uh, yeah. But both those guys got drafted young. And Bryce Young was uh, an old man by the time he got drafted by comparison. Yes, yes. All right, Mike, you got another headline for me? Yeah, let's talk about the uh, San Francisco 49ers. I was going to do a cheesy headline and say, fool's gold? It seems like you still did the cheesy headline. I know. Like, just because you said I was going to do yeah. a cheesy headline and then said it with an accent doesn't mean you didn't do it. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I couldn't help myself. I couldn't refrain. So Purdy in three straight losses, seven turnovers, all of them in the second half. That probably means something. Right. I mean, and... Critical Maybe moments they should the game. Purdy in the second half. They should only I mean, play him in the first half and then run the Wildcat in the second half. Your priors are looking pretty good right now. Never doubt it. Yeah. So we'll eliminate the Browns game because that was an overall like shit game for that team. And it actually, it ended on a missed field goal. But in Minnesota, their last two possessions are back-to-back interceptions. Against Cincy here, they're down 17-10 under like a minute left in the third, he throws an interception from the Cincinnati eight yard line on first and goal. The defense helps him out, forces a punt. And then his first throw after they get the ball back is an interception. (laughs) So the Bengals take the short field and score and then down 14, really kind of hoping for an onside kick and a miracle because it was like just under two minutes. I think he fumbled at the Cincinnati 26 to basically end it. His numbers, like if you just look at the basic box score, haven't been terrible the last two games. Even his PFF grade has been like in the 60s, so we're not talking god-awful. But he's making turnovers in like pretty critical moments of the game. How, like how worried are we if you're a Niners fan? So here's what I'll say for starters. is It's a slump for the whole team. Mm-hmm. It's not just a Brock Purdy slump. Three of their four highest scores allowed have come in the last three weeks on defense. Ironically, this all overlaps with the Trent Williams injury, and some of it overlaps with the Debo injury. I think that we're finding out that Kyle Shanahan had like a well-oiled machine, and you throw just a couple of... What destroys a well-oiled machine? A couple of wrenches? Rust. A, wrench just, a couple of rusts? That doesn't really work for the context I'm looking for here. That's not, I'm sorry. You break a well-oiled machine in a couple of places, and the whole thing comes apart. So, losing those players on offense definitely helps, but... We've seen the defensive regression that was kind of coming, on top of which they just hit, like, flame shooting out the ass level play from Kirk Cousins, despite not having Justin Jefferson, followed up by flame shooting out of his ass play by Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. So, there's something you said there. This was their only game all season they've lost by multiple scores. 
the other two games were one score games. And some of the Purdy stuff is like regression, right? Like he's always been playing kind of like this. And it's just a really good offense. And some things just have ticked wrong. Like one of the interceptions here came on a tip by a defensive lineman. And another one of them came on a linebacker, like jumping a route. So there's something to be said about how we're probably pulling out the body cart and piling all the 49ers on there before we need to. But their last win was that like dominant win against the Cowboys. And since then, they've lost three straight. So there is some worry. There's some concern. If I'm a 49ers fan, I would be more concerned about the trend of suddenly teams are scoring on you. Yeah, so they're on, they're on a bye. Try to figure stuff out. And then next week, the week following week, I mean, they go to Jacksonville. Depending on what you think of that team, that could possibly be another loss. I'm going to talk like, about what it. What do you think of that team? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to talk about it more in a minute when we get to trade deadline talk, but the pass blocking in San Francisco has been struggling. You'll be going up against Jonathan Allen. But then again, even if they lose to the Jags, which would definitely not be great, they'd fall to five, uh, what is it? Maybe they'd fall to, yeah, five and four. The following week, they play Tampa. Lose that game, then they're really up Shit's Creek. Uh, by the way, it's Josh Allen, not Jonathan Allen on the Jaguars. Oh, sorry, I got him mixed up with the stud from Washington. I think the bye week comes at a good time. They'll probably have Debo and Trent Williams back after the bye. So in the immortal words of Aaron Rodgers, I think we should all probably relax for the yeah. time being. As much as I guess it's better for clicks if I go like the sky's falling, the 49er season's over. I still, I still think this is the best team in the NFC. Yeah, when firing, they still look like the best all-around team. Plus that bye week, if if McCaffrey still is like kind of dealing with some lingering issues from the Browns game, then he could also come back 100%. Yeah, that's another concern. Like, why is it McCaffrey goes out in a game and the next game he plays 100% of the snaps? Like, maybe maybe someone needs to get in Sean's ear and tell him that you can let a guy sit for a while. Right. You mean Kyle's like, ear? What did I say? Sean. Yeah, he's, they call <laughs> uh, they call Kyle Shanahan the Sean McVay of uh la or uh, of san francisco fuck yeah but to like speak to to speak on it to your point it's kyle shanahan he can get like some good running out of fucking anybody right like miami runs out whoever they want to augment their running game and that guy gets 211 yards yeah miami has like six running backs and it's like oh let's just see which who's gonna pop off you know today except is a chain still hurt yeah, A-Chan. Um, A-Chan, sorry. Like, they, they, they should do a competition where Latavius Murray has to play one week on Miami and the next week on San Francisco and see where he gets more yards. Oh, he'd light it up in San Francisco. All right, I have nothing else on the Niners. Did you want to? Yeah, I was trying to think about anything else. I think I'm good. I think I, I, got, a, I got one more headline for you that I didn't put in the rundown because I came up with it last second. All right. Top of the class is the name of the headline. Mike. There are eight teams with two losses or less. Do you think you can name all eight off the top of your head? Two losses or less? Yes. I think so. Okay. Let's hear it. Eagles. Yep. Seahawks. Yep. Dem Boys. Yep. Um, the Ravens. Yep. The, the Jags. Yep. How many have I named? Five. Shit. 
Cleveland? No. Okay. You're going to kick yourself for the ones you're missing. Um. Oh, the Chiefs. Yep. Two more. Detroit? Yep, one more. Uh, NFC South, no. No, the NFC South, the best record is four and four. AFC South already got the Jags. Is it the Texans? What are you talking about? They've lost three games, right? They've lost four games. Oh, that's right. Yikes. All right, I'm tapped. Who is it? The Miami Dolphins. Oh, God, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I hate them so much that I try to not let them into my brain at any point if I don't have to. That was kind of phenomenal. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're down to eight teams with two losses or less. How many of these teams do you really believe in as Super Bowl contenders? I believe in the Eagles. So one of them? <laughs> Other than the Eagles, if uh, Baltimore is a little shaky, I guess I have to give flowers to McDaniels and what he's doing in Miami. If, if their defense can get it together and play strong on a weekly basis, then I would also say Miami. So we're eight weeks in. How many Super Bowl contenders do you think there are? Oh, and the Chiefs. I forgot to say that. They're also... Just lost, got blown out by the... Uh... By, by the Denver Broncos there, Mike. Yeah, well, well, apparently Mahomes decided to attempt to have a flu game to be a Jordan, and it, it didn't work out for him. Yeah, but... I have that written down somewhere in here. I can't remember where it was, but I have uh, Mahomes' failed flu game written down on something. Yeah. Uh, now I've spaced... Oh, how many actual Super Bowl contenders do I think there are? Yeah, three, eight weeks. How many Super Bowl contenders? I have five. Like, you have five? Like, I have the Eagles, Chiefs, Dolphins, Bills, because I'm biased. And then the Niners, when they're actually doing what they should do best. Maybe Dallas is starting to get it together a little more. Mm-hmm. I, I have a note on them later, but they played a really good game against a, a solid Rams defense. Yeah, Dak Prescott was fucking slinging it. I also have a note on that later. But uh, Dak Prescott was like, he's looking so good recently. I mean, he's always looked good because he's a good quarterback. Now, if I went to like the second tier, I'd, that's where you get to like your your Ravens because I still I, don't know I, what version of that team I'm going to get on a weekly basis. I have Ravens my Super Bowl contenders. Okay. I think that roster is so fucking good. I mean, Roquan Smith. Anyways. You know Gus Edwards had three touchdowns? Yeah, he's last couple games he's been he's been firing. Gus, the motherfucking bus. That guy he looks like he should be the best running back in football. Like he has Jadevion Clowney syndrome, where he looks too big for his pads and jersey. How big is Gus the bus Edwards? Let's take a look here. Six like one? A- uh, yeah, I have no idea how big he actually is, but if I if I had to guess just based off how big he looks, I think he's seven foot two and four hundred and eleven pounds of muscle. He's six one, two thirty-eight. That's a crap. That's a crap. Yeah, he's a big fucking guy. Mm-hmm. And he has like the 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 it's either corners or dreads, I'm not sure, because you can only see the end of it. But yeah. it's just long enough to come out the back of his helmet, kind of like David and Joku has. That automatically adds two inches of height and twenty-five pounds of muscle. 
He's rocking 144 and four touchdowns last two games. I'm transferring fancy. Buy high. That's what I always say. Baltimore gets a consistent run game like that, then they definitely be a Super Bowl contender. It's so satisfying to watch that team run the ball. Like, that's kind of what I thought we'd be getting with Atlanta as the talent alone team. Mm -hmm. Is I thought we'd be getting like the most fun run offense to watch in the league. But it's still Baltimore because you have Gus Edwards, who's built like a tank, and then Lamar Jackson, who has all the finesse in the world. And they just trade off weeks on who's going to take off for like 80 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. This week wasn't Lamar's week. It was it was Gus's week. Yeah. And next week, you know, they'll, they'll flip a coin again, and whoever gets heads will go off on, uh, on the running game. You got any more headlines, Mike? Did you want to touch on your last one? It's my last one. Jordan Love. Oh, I got rid of that one, brother. Oh, sorry. Fuck you, Jordan Love. Uh, no, we're out of headlines, though. All right. You want to you hit trade deadlines or you want the Falcons first? Let's hit the Falcons first. Get it out of the way. All right. This, this won't take long. It was not a good Falcons game. Uh, mm-hmm. Atlanta falls 28-23 to the fighting Will Levises. They're now 4-4 four and four on the season, 2-5-0 and zero against the spread. They lost Grady Jarrett for the year to an ACL tear. Like I said before, Taylor Heineke comes in at half for Desmond Ritter after Ritter is evaluated for concussion. Ritter got sacked five times before the half, so that's probably where he got concussed. Um, DeAndre Hopkins in a very satisfying five targets, four receptions, three touchdowns. Derrick Henry is the first 100-yard rusher allowed this year by the uh, Atlanta Falcons, so he goes off too. Just Falcons were giving up everything on defense this week. Wasn't a good look for the defense. Um, Every week we play a game where Mike goes through and pulls up a list of the top five PFF grades for Atlanta Falcons players. And I try to guess them based off watching the game tape. Mm -hmm. Uh, The problem is that usually I watch the game through twice, but the NFL website was down today. So I've only seen this game once. So we'll see. We'll see how well I do. Mike, are you ready? Yes, I want to say that I put a because I say I eliminate players who have a low snap count. I put a definitive number on it. You got to play twenty five percent of the snaps. I'll round up if you're at twenty four point five and up. Jeff Bailey's twenty five percent of the snaps. I'm looking for one fourth of the game on your specific side of the ball. So just to tell you right now, Mac Collins and it is eliminated because he only played fourteen snaps, which is twenty point five percent. That's all right. I didn't have Matt Collins on my list anyways because I keep forgetting he was there. Very good. And then I am ready. All right. Number one, going with Kaderil Hodge. Wow. Nailed it. 86.8. Yeah. He, he led the team in uh, receiving. He was also playing a lot of blocking snaps. I saw him in there a lot. He's a unique looking dude. He's easy to pick out. Number two, going Taylor Heineke. Two for two. 80.3. Yeah. It, was, it was a bad week, man. You just got to pick the guys who didn't actively hurt the team like i don't even have jesse bates on here this week taylor heineke who won a perfect seven for seven for 135 and a touchdown from medium depth 10 to 19 yards did not actively hurt the team at any point nope uh number three caden ellis linebacker not on the list brother not on the list uh number four just going with the mainstay here the offensive line did not play well and usually it's worth picking like one or two offensive linemen but they, they weren't able to get anything going on the running game. Um, Desmond is getting sacked right off the snap occasionally, but that pressure is coming from the outside. So I'm going with, with uh, Chris Lindstrom. Yep, he's number five with the 74.6 grade. 
I won't say the name, but he edged out the sixth highest grade by a measly 0.1 points. Whoa. And then, uh, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> it was a really bad week for the Falcons. It's hard to pick five guys who played really well. Number five, I just went Bud Dupree because he had a sack. No, I didn't make the list. Number three was Drake London with a 75.7. And then Scotty Miller with 75. How the fuck did Scotty Miller play enough snaps? He did. I, I did the math on it to make sure. He played like around 29% of the snaps. So he was good. Uh, that player that just got edged out by Chris Lindstrom was defensive end Zach Harrison. Yeah, don't even know who that is. I've watched a lot of Falcons tape. Don't know who the fuck Zach Harrison is. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question here. All right. If the Falcons decide to tank, which they probably won't because they're tied for the division lead at 4-4 four and four with the Saints, who should they play at quarterback? And then the flip side of that question as well, if they're going to keep pushing to win the division and make the playoffs, who should they start at quarterback? The answer for both is Desmond Ritter. Mm, okay. Desmond Ritter has a lower floor and a higher ceiling than Taylor Heineke. So if you're Arthur Smith and you sit down with what that old guy who was dancing at the Super Bowl before Tom Brady came back and won the game, I don't remember what his name is, but the Falcons owner. And you sit down with him and you say, listen, I know we're four and four. I know we're in competition to win the NFC South. But I think that we should tank for the number one overall pick. And dancing Super Bowl guy agrees with you. Then I think what you want to do is you want to just have Desmond Ritter one run traditional West Coast drop back three to five step, five, 10, 15 yard outs, throwing to tight ends over the middle of the field, no play action, running just like 10 personnel for everything, 12 personnel on running plays, run on first and second down, but throw every third down. Then, if you want Desmond Ritter to, rip, to win, run like the Arthur Smith offense. A lot of running, a lot of play action, a lot of motion. Just get running backs involved in the game. Give Desmond Ritter places to jump off to. I don't understand to comment on this offense. Why Bijan only had two targets. You have to get the ball into the hands of your athletes. Even if that's a short throw, a screen pass, whatever. I don't understand why it's like, oh, running back. We got running. Can't be throwing the ball to the running back. All right, him and Algier combined for 19 carries for 93 yards. And then obviously, I, I guess you could say game script. They decided to go a little more pass heavy. But I think the Titans are what best case scenario the Falcons could be if they had a better quarterback, which is they ran it 36 times with Derrick Henry and then only dropped back to throw 31 and they were chucking it deep. Like they want to be like peak Lamar Ravens. I feel like that's best case scenario for the Falcons, but they obviously need a better quarterback to do it. Yeah, they just have indecisive quarterbacks, so they can't really like drop back and think about it in the pocket. I agree with you. They should have run the ball more times. Either that or just get, I mean, we talk about all the time. You don't have to run the ball to bring the defense in. Either that or get their short passes going to your most, most athletic players and fucking block downfield. Just, yeah, throw the ball to Kyle Pitts sometimes, you know? Not a bad idea. All right, the other thing we do for this Falcon segment is we hand out the three stars of the week. Three stars are just like hockey, the three players who, you know, either stood out, had a big impact on winning, whatever it is. Uh, third star, going again with Young Wing Koo. 
who went a perfect three for three on field goals, two for two on extra points. You know, there's three great kickers and three terrible kickers, and Young Wing is probably in the middle. But the guy is just reliable, and that's worth something. Yeah. Second star, Taylor Heineke, comes in at half, completely cold, just plays like a solid game, you know? Taylor Heineke is not... He's not, like, end-of-the-career Peyton Manning, and he never will be, right? Like, he's not athletically talented but he's also not a stalwart reliable rock he's not going to go in there and run the offense you want and get you to like third and short so you can convert on i formation runs he is going to yolo ball it at least once a game and you're going to live and die on that and he just didn't do that he came in cold at half played a fine game what's up you have a thought about taylor heineke there no sorry um do you think his apex mountain is becoming the talent alone second star of the week for the Falcons? <laughs> is this the greatest achievement of his career? I got to say, I think that I think that Heineke has the most instantly recognizable apex mountain of any guy we do this with. It was when he dove in for that touchdown in the playoff game against the Buccaneers. Yeah. Nothing will ever live up to that moment for him. Or when he got the Monday night football segment. And he talked about how he buys like Nikes for his offensive linemen when they were on like a little mini win streak of like three or four games. And they just got absolutely shit wrecked that game. Yeah. I forgot who they were playing. Might've been the Eagles round two against the Eagles from last year. I think it was the first game against the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't pretty. Uh, then the first star unprecedented, unprecedented for the Falcon segment for the talent loan podcast. Mike, I'm giving it to someone not on the Falcons. Giving the first star to Will Levis. Hell yeah. Will Levis, you know, like I said, m- maybe this should have gone to DeAndre Hopkins even more because that OPI was just beautiful. Um, but that that was not an easy defense to play against. I'll put it that way. And he played very well. He did not turn over the ball. And fuck, man, does that guy have some arm talent? Yeah. So, Will Levis, it's, congratulations it's on getting the first star for the Team Talent Alone weekly Falcon segment. And uh, you go enjoy some mayo in your coffee or whatever that off-season story was. Oh, yeah. Real quick headline that I was looking at my phone a minute ago. The Cardinals announced they're benching Josh Dobbs next week and starting Clayton Toon. <laughs> what? I don't know. See what they got before they bring Kyler back in? I have no Are, idea. I mean, like, they're obviously trying to tank, but you're already losing with Josh Dobbs. Maybe they're worried Dobbs could somehow pull out one more win. They're really, really tanking it. Yeah, they, I mean, after after the Bears and Broncos biffed it the last couple of weeks by winning games, yeah, you really got to start worrying if you're uh, if you're the Cardinals. You're you're in pole position now to get your quarterback of the future completely fucking washed, Caleb Williams. Yeah, so you can't screw that up by uh, you know having the android himself win a couple games. Android. All right. Uh, let's take a short break. Okay. And we'll, uh, move on to doing whatever the fuck we were going to talk about next. All right. We're back. Talking trades. Mike, best trade, worst trade. Let me hear your, uh, input there. Of the two I listed that have happened in notable memory? Yeah. Kevin Bird to the Eagles or Leonard Williams to the Seahawks? I think Leonard, I like the Leonard Williams one. More than the, uh, Kevin Byard one? I think so. Damn. I, I saw someone throw out the question online of does the Williams trade 
put put more urgency on the Niners to make a move. And at first I scoffed at that and I looked at it and realized the Niners have the 26th ranked pass block. And you mean pass rush or pass block? Pass block. Like on the season or just like the last couple weeks? On the season. Because they had the best left tackle in football, brother. Yeah, I know. But I mean, I'll double check that. You're calling me a liar. I ain't calling you a truther. I, I know. I can tell. Let's double check real quick. Live stat check. Yep. Six lowest at 49.2. Damn. Uh, uh, yeah, they've let up 84 pressures and 64 of them have, hurt, have hurried the purred. So maybe they should make a move considering a. A def- like a pass rusher just got traded to the team that you're currently tied with in the division because shit went south fast. So what if what if they decide to trade for a quarterback? I hear that the, the uh, Cowboys are shopping around Trey Lance. If you're speaking of quarterbacks, if you're the Vikings, would you entertain trading for a QB? I don't know, man. It feels like a good year to tank if you're the Vikings. Like everything's just going wrong for you. It's like the opposite. Yeah. Last year, everything just went right. Hmm. This year, you just got to call it at a certain point, man. I also saw an amazing headline about the Raiders. Hunter Renfro trade, unlikely. You fucking think so? He's had 12 targets on the year. He barely played last year due to injuries. You think, well, you're going to trade him? Like, anybody wants him? No offense, Hunter Renfro, but you think they'd be feeding him, like, the second most targets next to Devontae Adams if they wanted to actually move him for anything? Yeah, I wonder if they move both Myers and Adams or are talking about moving them. Wait. Oh, Jacoby. Yeah, not Michael. Yeah, for a second there, I thought you just mispronounced Mayer's last name. Uh, I was like, that would be ridiculous. But maybe I just, I, I, Jacoby Myers has a hell of a lot more value right now for him. Yeah, I mean, both those guys, like, I don't, I don't even know why they did the Garoppolo thing, man. That's so weird. Like, just looking back on it, like, who talked themselves into that team? Did anybody talk? Like, I don't think anybody were like, oh, they got Garoppolo. Now I mean, in, in Vegas, who talked themselves into that team? They're like, we moved on from Derek Carr and gotten older Derek Carr. Yeah, do you think Carr is better or worse than Garoppolo, or is it just kind of the same? I think that we're in a looper situation. Mm-hmm. I think that Derek Carr, or I'm sorry, I think that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was sent back in time so Derek Carr could kill him to close the loop, but Derek Carr couldn't do it, so they both just decided to play NFL football for a while. Maybe. Speaking of wide receivers, I have another thing, another question written down here. Mm -hmm. Are the Bengals missing an opportunity to trade T. Higgins and get like a good return since there's a chance they could just not re-sign him in the offseason? Yeah, that's the question, right? Like, the Bengals are running into the problem on offense that the commanders are on defense. Mm-hmm. Where you have your two pieces of the future. And you got to pick one of them at a certain point, right? Like, there has to be a trade that comes through the wires in the next 24 hours for either Higgins, Chase Young, or Montez Sweat. Like, there's no way all three of those guys end up on their own teams by the end of this, right? Yeah. And Higgins isn't removed from, like... I know this year hasn't been like spectacular for him, but last two seasons, 2,500 yards, over 2,500 yards, 16 touchdowns, eight and eight each year. Like some team will be like, oh, yeah, we have the system. We have the pieces in place. We'll get him back to what he was doing those years. I think, could you get like a, 
I don't know. Maybe not a first. You can get a first round pick now. Not a first round pick for Higgins, but I feel like you could get a second or maybe some other players to fill in other positions you feel you, there's a need at. If this was the NBA, you'd get a first round pick for him. Yeah. You get a first uh, round pick for like the like the kid who comes out with the mop to dry up the spot <laughs> on the floor. Like at this point in the NBA. I don't understand how how T Higgins isn't worth like a second or third round pick, but people will like actively trade for Trey Lance. Like both those things can't be true in the same NFL, right? Like there has to be a team that is willing to trade a day two pick for T Higgins. If there is a team that's willing to trade a day three pick for Trey Lance. Well, if you're going to pick, if you're going to trade a second rounder for Chase Claypool, what are we setting the bar at? (laughs) Well, that's kind of like measuring all the NBA trades by the Gobert trade. Yeah, I think like the land... You can't pick the dumbest trade and go, well, obviously this means that I'll get something good for it. Yeah, I feel like the land situation is just... Cause what what they give up for him? I'd have to look it up. Yeah. It is some late-round garbage, but still, it was yeah. late-round garbage for a guy that they were going to cut. Right. You You actually mentioned one of my other points. One as the resident Commanders fan on the podcast. Sorry, the resident Commies fan. Mm -hmm. Do you think you guys move either Young or Sweat, and which one would you be less upset about them trading? I do think they do. I think Chase Young's the better player. I think they move Chase Young. I would be less upset if they move Chase Young. I like Montez Sweat. I like Chase Young a lot. Like, Chase Young's just, like, a good locker room guy. And he's, like... He's, like the defensive version of Gus Edwards. But he's just been injured and inconsistent and hasn't lived up to the hype at all. And so you just got to get him out of the building, man. Like, he's a better player than Montez Sweat. But we can't afford both of them. And Chase Young's going to net you a higher asset because he was the number two overall pick just four years ago. Yeah, you basically sniped both my points. Is that the question uh, he hasn't been and the question of if he ever will play up to the level of a number one overall pick. And you could definitely get more for him because he's a number one overall pick who at, at times, number two, sorry, who at times has shown flashes of being very good. So one defensive I, rookie of the year. I mean, I would be willing. I'll talk to Brandon Bean. Mm-hmm. I'd be willing to send you a third for him. We'll take Josh Allen straight up. I, we don't, I mean, I'd love it if we could trade players from the Jaguars, but I'm unable to do that. All right, since we're, we're since we're in just such a weird nebulous, let's talk about trades thing. Um, let me just run down my thing here. Okay, here's who I have listed as like the definite sellers: uh, the Broncos, the Cardinals, the Commanders, the Jets. Do you agree with all those? Broncos, Cardinals, Commanders, Jets. Would you put the Giants on that list? There's been talk that who, like every- who could the Giants possibly trade away? They already trade away Leonard Williams. Apparently, yeah. teams keep calling them like a. They're like the dead carcass on the side of the road that do you the think they're, they're picking at. Do you think they're accidentally trying to call the San Francisco Giants? Maybe, especially since the Giants came out. Like the scoop scoop is that they've told teams like, no, Saquon is not available. Stop calling me. Which I don't know why you wouldn't make Saquon available. That's your best asset. And your team yeah. sucks. Him or Dabble. If someone wants to trade for Dabble, I would say, yeah. I would just take low picks for the Darius Slaytons of the world. The Wandale Robinsons of the world. How dare you? Imagine him in Tennessee. Get the Kentucky guys back together. 
Ooh, now you're kind of selling me on it. <laughs> um, I also have teams that should be sellers but aren't, as the Raiders, the Vikings, the Bucks, the Titans, the Panthers, the Patriots. Raiders, yeah. I guess there's really no harm in the Panthers selling. There's been talks about it. They could have sold. They have they have no first round pick, Mm -hmm. and they're terrible. Like they're the worst team in the league, and they have no first round pick. They have Thielen, Brian Burns, J.C. Horn, and Troy Hill, who's on an expiring contract. And you think none of those none of those guys probably net you a first? What do you think? I think uh, Brian Burns does. That's the only one I was thinking. He could maybe, especially after what he did last year, even if he's in a bit of a slump. Just mm-hmm. it's in it's in close in the rear view. So teams would be like, yeah, yeah, we can we can definitely do that. I think another- JC Horn and Brian Burns are your top assets. Troy Hill on an expiring is a solid rental you could get. Like in basketball, you could get like a collection of seconds for him. And then obviously Thielen being your your stalwart, but still, if you could combine a couple of those, like if someone wants to trade for Adam Thielen and Brian Burns and send you a first and a second for that. Saying yes to that in an instant, brother. Yeah, me too. It was no first overall pick, or well, could potentially be the first overall, but with no yeah. first round pick, you have to think like either get back in the first round or load up on like twos and threes and just be all over the place in day two. You know what drives me insane? Okay, I actually have a few things. You know what a list of things drives me insane? Go ahead. First off, NFL teams not prioritizing picks at all. There is no pick hoarding in the NFL like every year it's like oh the team that made the most picks had nine picks this year that's not impressive look at the fucking Oklahoma City Thunder you want to see impressive amount of picks look at the Arizona Coyotes yeah let's stop with this fucking nine picks is impressive bullshit Brock Purdy almost made a Super Bowl and was Mr. Irrelevant teams need to start hoarding picks the other thing that drives me insane about the draft is when people call players a number one pick, and they mean first rounder. Oh, I hate that too. There's only one number one pick every year. Yes. Last year, it was Bryce Young for some reason. Every pick after that is not number one. Yeah, you have to refer to those players as that team's first round pick, not their number one pick, their first pick. You can even not say first rounder. You could be like, that's why so-and-so you know, was the Cardinals first pick in the draft, but you can't say number one pick that that makes absolutely no sense. If I were just to mention the bucks for a second, I'd be calling Kansas city and be like, what would you give us for Mike Evans? Yeah. You you would dominate if you had him. Imagine if they went to Kansas city and said, all right, we'll give you Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Yeah. We just want your next 11 first round picks. Why wouldn't Kansas city say, yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd give up. It'd be such a late first. Like I give up a first and I don't know, a third for Mike Evans. If I'm in the situation, Kansas city's in. Yeah. You instantly add a thousand yard receiver to your team. I know that at this point, like I'm sure people tune into these podcasts to be like, Ooh, what possible trades? Some of this is just fucking logic. Like I don't even need to look at the salary cap because it's the NFL and you can make salary caps work regardless. It's not the NBA. There's no real math involved. So I'm not going to go figure out like who who can actually get traded. And it's also the NFL, so no one ever gets traded. But it just makes so much goddamn sense for Kansas City to trade for Mike Evans or Chris Godwin or Terry McLaurin or 
fucking Hollywood Brown. I mean, anyone. Adam Thielen. Yeah, so far, I think, what, they gave up a fifth? Or was it a seventh? Some day three pick for McCole Hardman. It was a sixth. You're close. Oh, Skipped it. Right, right in the middle. Right in the middle. You, so, as we're just sitting here shooting the shit, not actually, you know, making yeah. great, like, make, really making a podcast, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to point out my buyers I have are the Bills, the Lions, and the Chiefs. Bills. Obviously, I already missed on the Seahawks since yeah. uh, writing these down, but this breaks. Um, I have the Bills needing defensive backs and pass rush. Yeah. Or I, as Chris Collinsworth would say, pass rush. Yeah, like I jotted down some fantasy trades, and obviously top of the list is Patrick Sertan to Buffalo. <laughs> I want it so bad. It's unlikely, yeah. but I want it. Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn is another one. Um, Emmanuel Forbes, first-round pick for Emmanuel Forbes. Um, I'm out. <laughs> I have the Lions also need a defensive back and a wide receiver, so uh, you might have some competition there. Um, McDermott has that Carolina connection. Not Let's anymore. I think he still does. Let's get that. There's, that none, there's no staff stuff. overlap anymore there. Not even an owner overlap. They don't even have the same owner. Like, I would say he has the Rivera connection. Like, if you well, want to say who's going to trade someone to Buffalo, you should be looking at Montez Sweat and Chase Young. I take either of them as well. I, I was talking to someone the other day, and the commies came up, and they're like, I can't wait for the commanders to fire Rivera, and he's just going to end up our DC next year. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. That's actually like a possibility. Another trade I like fantasy wrote down, even though Gus Edwards is playing well. Since I hear that the Titans, they're not shopping him, but they're at least listening to offers. Derrick Henry to Baltimore, to me, would just be amazing. I think this week, this week ruined the trade deadline for a few teams. Like, I think Mm -hmm. that it low key killed the trade deadline for the Titans and maybe the Broncos, which would really suck because the Broncos are like the most interesting seller. Yeah, but I mean, Peyton obviously isn't going to come out. And be like, yep, everybody's on the table. But apparently, he said like they're not move, they're not looking to move anybody. Why? Because the NFL's so fucking stupid with trades, man. It is. Like, what like, makes you think that roster comes back next year and is any more competitive? Like basketball comes along, and a player goes, ah, I don't really like the weather here, and immediately he's traded for two first and eleven seconds. Yeah. Football, a player's like, hey, I'm a top level player in my prime on a team that won't be competitive for five years, I want to be traded somewhere else. And coaches go, well, I can't trade them. What am I supposed to do? Send good players out when my team's bad? Then my team will be bad. Yeah, I feel like NBA and NHL, like going into the year, everybody like looks at teams. Immediately, they say, expiring contract, expiring contract, expiring contract. Move those guys out and get what you can now. In the NFL, there's all these expiring contracts and they just sit on them. That we need to get rid of the fucking franchise tag. Yes. You want to make trade deadline interesting for football? Get rid of the franchise tag. What about the, I'm talking the, to you, Adam Silver. What about the dead cap situation? I feel like that kills a lot of it. Yeah, dead like every every league. Fuck, we are so far off topic. Every league needs to adopt the NHL rules on dead cap, where it's like, no, no, all these contracts are guaranteed. Whatever amount left to be paid on this contract just goes to the next team. Unless you make a deal where you can retain up to 50% of the contract that you'll pay. It's so simple. 
anyone can follow it, and it just makes perfect sense, which is not something I will say a lot about the National Hockey League. Yeah, I agree that would be a much better solution. Or go really wild and kind of do what it, the situation it is with coaches and like college coaches where you can fire them, but you're still going to be paying them. They're still on the books. They have like either have a buyout or you're going to be paying them over the years. Do the same thing with dead cap where it's like you can trade them. You won't have any dead cap, but your owner has to be ready to fork over like $43 million over the next however many years. Yeah, and I'm sure that's how baseball works or something, right? But no one cares about baseball. So I heard the World talk Series about, literally on right now. And I heard him talking about it the other day, or I saw something online. And I was like, huh, the Diamondbacks are the World Series? No idea. <laughs> Two games into the World Series. <laughs> yeah. No idea. Uh, all right. Let me just run down some of these names that I think would be, should be available. Um, even if they're not, I think that these are pieces that, that could be interesting on the trade block. Uh, Max Crosby, Devontae. Adams, I almost called him Devontae Smith. Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Kirk Cousins. Well, I wrote that down before the injury, obviously. Um, Chris Evans. Chris Evans, Jesus Christ. I really have started fumbling over myself on this list. Chris Godwin, Ryan Tanhill, uh, Derek Henry, DeAndre Hopkins, Jeffrey Simmons, Adam Thielen, Brian Burns, JC Horn, Troy Hill, and Josh Uchi, I think should be trade targets that are not currently in the news is being talked about. On top of that, obviously, the entire Broncos should be on sale. I think Kyler should be on sale. Um, Sweater Young, Scary Terry, and Carl Lewis from the Jets are some of the players I have as, I think, great trade candidates. I don't know what the Jets are doing, man. Yeah, I I don't know what the Jets are doing. I don't know why. Because I get the dead cap with Kyler, but you're in a situation where you may end up with the top three pick, and you can draft a quarterback who you're going to be paying a dirt cheap contract too. Do you so really just, think they're going to draft a quarterback? If they move Kyler, I think they would, but if, if they're they, not let's moving, say, they won't. Let's say they don't move Kyler. Cause it's the NFL and he's a quarterback, right? Do you think they draft a quarterback? No. Even if they have the number one pick. No, I don't, I don't think they pull a, uh, what's that douchebag's name? Josh Rosen. No, the guy who Josh Rosen, Rosen, <laughs> By drafting Kyler. Oh, no. Well, Kyler, Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen. Yeah. I can't remember. Oh, my God. I can see his stupid skinny little face right now. I was going to guess Sam Darnold. You the coach. Josh Rosen. Oh, Adam, what's his face? No. Oh, my God. Forget it. I'll take care of myself. This. <laughs> You've described him as the guy, the coach with the stupid skinny little face and the guy that Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen, so. No, the guy who Josh, who, the guy who Josh Rosen, Rosen. Uh, what the fuck are you saying? <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury. Kingsbury drafted Murray right yeah. after they had, a, like, a year or two after they drafted, I think it was a year after they drafted year Josh after. Rosen. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I don't think Jonathan Gannon is going to do that to Murray, even though it's a it's a different situation. I don't think he's going to draft a top whatever three pick invested at quarterback when he has Kyler Murray. Who knows? Murray could come back and just be like balling out. He could be like, this year's COD wasn't that good. I'm all focused on football. Yeah, I still think that Kyler Murray is a good quarterback anyway. So I've flipped on it because I was shit talking him for the way he played last season and the second half of the previous season. But then the talks about him have gotten so low 
to where now I flip to be like, all right, sell down, okay? <laughs> He's not that bad. All right, we got we got to move on. Did, did we have? Did we? Is any of this usable? Did we talk about trades at all? Really? I I thought we had a very good conversation. Okay, well we'll see how it comes out after the edit. Who's editing this one? Uh, it's your week. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, that's fair. That's fair. If that's what the rules say. All right, Mike, you want to talk some weekly awards then? Yeah, since there's only two set ones, should we both just give ours out? Yeah, why not? I have some bonus right. awards. Me too. By which I mean, I have one bonus award. <laughs> oh, I actually have three. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll both give ours out. Um, here, we'll spin the wheel. I didn't pull up the wheel. Um, yeah. uh, we'll start with the game of the week, right? That's a pretty good yeah. go-to. That's good to go to. All right, my game of the week is Commander's Eagles, baby. Mm-hmm. Got to go with Commander's Eagles. Uh, Eagles win the game 38-31. A.J. Brown with another ridiculous performance. Emmanuel Forbes once again on my TV for some reason. Eight receptions on eight targets for 130 yards and two touchdowns. Jalen Hurts, Sam Howell combined for eight touchdowns and two turnovers in total. Only one sack for Sam Howell. How about oh, wow. you take that and shove it up your ass, David Carr? Mm-hmm. Easily... Sam Howell's best game as a pro. I think we should just play the Philadelphia Eagles every week. Eagles would go 17-0. Commanders would go 0-17, but every game would be close. So that'd be a lot of fun. You know I love to do this, Mike. Yeah. You know I love it. So let me go, go ahead and give you every possession in the second half. Okay. Fumble, punt, touchdown, 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 interception, touchdown, downs, punt, downs, touchdown, touchdown, kneel. Yeah. That is a fucking fun second half. But the, the commies just needed to... Uh get an onside kick right they've had a shot in that yeah that's why we need nelson aguilar to be on the field man yeah well you needed the eagles to have nelson aguilar on the field yeah well obviously why I, obviously. why would i need the commanders be to have nelson aguilar on the field yeah. this is why i love nfc east teams because ever, like the games are just weird and they they can they're either like i said last week massive blowouts or they are crazy like close games yeah. Always one of the other. There is no in-between with NFC East games. It's always one or the other. And I was actually thinking after this game, like, what if the commies just played the Eagles every week? Like I just said? Yeah. Well, I was that's what I was saying. It's funny that you said that. Because they'd be considered like an amazing team that just, you know, one score losses. What are you gonna do? One score losses to a team that went 17 and 0. Yeah, this is the actual game of the week compared to mine. Do you know what mine is? Yeah, what's your game of the week? the dog shit Jets Giants game I can't even blame you for that man I was hate watching that on my phone for the entire game so the weather was shit too and imagine being a Giants fan and you buy tickets to go sit in shit weather and then Tyrod gets hurt and you're like now I have to watch Tommy DeVito on top of this Barkley ends up carrying the ball 36 times the Jets uh Total, like, 58 passing yards. The game opens with a Zach Wilson fumble. They set the NFL record for most punt, total punts in a game at 24. That record stood for 20 years, Adam. And they finally took it down. Uh, Giants yards per play was 2.8. And in the end, the Giants end up with a third and 21 from their own 14. So maybe excusable to punt in this case in overtime to go against our rule? I don't know. Uh, no, it's always going to throw the punt in overtime. Um, okay. Punt in overtime is quitter behavior. Uh, I just love 
that this game in regulation ends with a 13-second drive by Zach Wilson to kick a field goal, to send it overtime, to tie the game 10-10. Yeah. And then the game-winning field goal was set up. Jets at a third and five, and they get a 30-yard passer interference penalty to get it to the, the Giants 15 and win the game. It was amazing. It was just total dog shit, but you couldn't help. At the complete opposite of last week, we talked about, what was it? Browns, Browns, Colts. Yeah, Browns, Colts. Yeah. And it was like, that one was like a shit show, but there was a lot of scoring and it was weird. And this one was just an absolute shit show, but I couldn't help but, but making it you the see, game of the week. Did you see the end of Panthers, Texans? Uh, no, if I did, I can't remember it. Uh, Panero, their kicker, mm-hmm. had to kick a field goal like three or four times in a row. Yeah, I did see the game. That. There kept being penalties, right? Yeah, I like announced penalties. He initially hits it and gets iced, and then there's like two or three straight penalties, and he has to re-kick it every time, but progressively getting closer. I, I don't know how penalties work. I guess is what I found out because if I'm Frank Reich, why am I accepting these penalties? Yeah, certain penalties you have no choice. Why? That just, that's the NFL rulebook. That's bullshit, like, man. Like a false start. You don't have a choice. The defense can't be like, no, nah, no, nah, we don't want it. Yeah, I should have it. I should have a choice on every penalty if I'm the coach. I think it's it's pre I think it's pre-snap and post-snap penalties you don't have a choice. But like like if 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 Panero misses one of those field goals or gets blocked on one of those field goals after a flag, then that means the penalty that by design is supposed to help the team that did not commit the penalty ended up hurting the, the team. Yeah, I guess in a sense, why wouldn't you just continually commit like a exactly. penalty until you why miss would just go Just be all, jump early every time if you're a defender on use yeah. in that situation because there's no downside. No, I don't. That doesn't make sense. I feel like if it, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I feel like if you jump off sides, well, it depends. Neutral zone infraction. Exactly. As a Neutral zone yeah, infraction, yeah. but offsides is not. Yeah, it, that my brain now hurts from figuring this all out, but you're right. <laughs> so either Frank Reich had the worst coaching decision of the week, or we need to change the rule book. But speaking of that, Mike, let's go snake draft. You want to give me your worst coaching decision of the week as brought to you by Brandon Staley? Yeah, yeah it wasn't for this actual week of football, but it's within a week, so I'm taking it. Monday Night Football last week, Kyle Shanahan, like, we love you. You're an amazing coach, but what are you doing? Early early fourth quarter, they're down eight. He kicks a field goal to make it 17 to 22. So you still need a touchdown, bud. And karma comes back to bite him when their last two possessions end with Brock Purdy interceptions. <laughs> I, I know that you don't get into NFL coaching because you're stellar at math. But we got to get these guys into like an off-season calculus course or something. It, it makes no sense. It's like every week, one of the two of us comes to this segment with a Brandon Staley Memorial worst coaching decision of the week where someone kicks a field goal to not really decrease the amount of touchdowns they need. Yeah. Oh, what's the thought? Now we don't need the two-point conversion? Like, you still have to get in the end zone. That's the harder yeah. part. <laughs> Yeah, like every week we come in here and it's either someone punts from like the 40 
And it's like, okay, you punted from the 40. It got downed in the end zone. You gained a net 15 yards on that punt. Or we come in here and someone kicks a field goal to go from down eight to down five. Yeah, it's so great on the punt because then the other team's offense comes out, rips a pass for 15 yards, and, well, we are back where we were a minute ago. Even worse than that. I love it when they do that, and then immediately, boom, DPI, 15 yards. Yeah. So we're both, by the way, we're both totally bullshitted this award this week because I gave this award to Mike Vrabel for starting Ryan Tannehill for eight weeks. A retroactive one. Like, yeah. Well, they're all retroactive, I guess, but very that's a good point. There's no, we, we've never given out a proactive worst <laughs> yeah. coaching decision of the week award. Uh, unless Vrabel comes out and says he's starting Tannehill Thursday, then that would be worth a proactive. Yeah. <laughs> but Will Levitz comes in the game, immediately looks like, you know, not a corpse in a football outfit, which means he looks better than Ryan Tannehill. What, what were you doing for the last eight weeks? Like, did you buy into the Patrick Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith hype so much that you said, well, we got to sit our good quarterback behind a bad quarterback? Like, even if Will Levis is just downhill from here, Ryan Tannehill has been terrible. Terrible. Yeah, unless the Titans team is set up like they were where they have a really good defense and Derrick Henry, even though he's still really good, is an absolute prime Starting stale-ass Ryan Tannehill, especially now that he's, like, three years older, not a good call. <laughs> not a good call. Not a good call no. for Abel. This is what you get for being a tight end for your whole career. All right. Just, we'll just keep perpetuating that until people start thinking it's true. <laughs> uh, so, snake draft style. Um, I have uh, one bonus award. Then we'll, you said you have two or three? Three. Oh, fuck me. You, you go first, then. We're All undoing right. the snake draft. You go, then I'll go, then you snake draft. So my first one is the So Close Award. And it goes to your boy, Sam Howell. <laughs> Playing great. He finishes with, like you said, almost 404 touchdowns. But with the game tied at 24, midway through the fourth, slightly overthrows and is slightly high on a pass to Scary, uh, scary Terry, intercepted by Reed Blankenship. Yeah, Reed Blankenship. Reed Blank, not Rod, not the kicker. White guy uh, safety. I mean, right, white guy safety. The Eagles score on the short field which is from washington's 15 so close to playing just a complete great game hell did you see the two straight passes he had to terry that were like kind of bad passes but also terry totally botched the catches that ended kind of ended the game before the game was ended oh i did not yeah he threw one that was behind Terry as Terry was running and Terry tries to like sink down and catches it and it bounces off his helmet and goes like astray. And then the next pass, he does the same thing where he throws one low and behind Terry and Terry goes down to catch it and it bounces off his bicep and goes away. And it was really one of those moments where I was like, I don't know who to blame, but I'm angry. I think the moral of the story is you got to be on target, but also ESPN, that interception, where would you say he threw that ball? Middle of the field? Uh, it's outside the left hash, right? Or like on the left hash? Oh, so I guess that's why they put it like on their play-by-play because I pulled it up just to make sure I had like I wanted to have like the details right as far as like where it was on the field and like the time remaining. Um, and it said pass short left to McLaurin, and like I pulled it up and watched it, and I was like that that's the middle. But I guess if it's considered on or outside of the hash, it would be short left. I apologize. It's, yeah, it's like right on the hash, I think. Okay. All right, Mike. Uh, my last award of the week is maybe my favorite name for an award that I've given out so far this year. 
It's uh, the Rumors of My Death Are Greatly Exaggerated Award. Giving this out to Joe Burrow. Joey Cool with Joe Montana in the building. Or Joe Namath. One of the other Joes in the building. Whoever the original Joe Cool was. Just coming out of the fucking woodworks. Goes 28 for 32. 28 for 32. The guy had four incompletions. 283 yards. Three touchdowns. He had a stretch in the middle of this game where he had 19 straight completions. Bengals are now 4-3 and three and half a game out of the playoff picture. We going to see another fucking AFC playoff or uh, AFC championship game with the Bengals in it? Why does this keep happening to us? I wrote them, I wrote them off so hard after the 0-3 start. I was like, not the same situation. They're fucking done. They're They've clucked. won four straight, including this week when they scored 43 points. They, they scored 31. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but... I guess. I mean, that division is so crowded. I think it's just the them. I mean, the Browns, Deshaun Watson's afraid to play football because he's, you know, too busy being a pervert. And the Steelers are bad. Like, the Steelers are going to go, what, like 8-9, 9-8, nine, nine something like that, and they'll be, they'll be in the middle of the pack. The Browns will probably be around there, too, by the end of the year. It's a, it's a two-horse race. Maybe they'll get three teams in the playoffs, but... I don't know, man. That Bengals team is going to be, like, the four-seed or the six-seed. And they're going to somehow end up in the AFC championship game again. They are going to be playing in Miami in the AFC championship game up 21-18 with like three minutes left on the clock. I, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> if you had to they, pick. They if you tried had to, to pick, kill Jamar Hamlin. They did they're try to kill Jamar Hamlin. You know murder. they're playing each other on Monday Night Football again? Yeah. In, in Kansas City. Or in yeah. Cincinnati. That's crazy. They're playing in Kansas City. Oh, we have to go to Kansas City too. So, but yeah, it's just weird. They're playing. They're playing on Pride Pet. That that it, it's gonna. They're all they're gonna talk about is Demar Hamlin for that game. Um, oh, yeah. If you had to pick between the Dolphins, the Chiefs, or the Bengals to win the Super Bowl this year, like it's one hundred percent gonna happen. You just get to choose who wins. Who are you picking? You're not going to believe this. It's actually the Chiefs. Yeah, I thought it was going to be the Chiefs. All right, let me remove the Chiefs. I didn't. I, I added them in the last second. I was just going to say Dolphins and and Bengals, but then I said Chiefs, and I regret it immediately. Dolphins or Bengals? Who are you picking? I hate both those teams so much. I guess the Bengals because it's not division. But to explain myself real quick, the things with the Chiefs are is that, like, if, let's say the Dolphins or the Bengals beat us in the playoffs, they go to the AFC Championship game to play the Chiefs. I can at least, like. The enemy of my enemy, and I can be like, kill them, Chiefs. Do what you do. <laughs> yes, like humble that team. But I don't. I just the Bengals are the thought of the Bengals or the Dolphins holding the Lombardi makes me sick. It's also like at this point with the Chiefs, it's like you're one of the boxers that Mike Tyson goes up against. Like you know, the Chiefs are going to win more Super Bowls with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. So it's not that painful. You can still be in denial that the Dolphins are ever going to win a Super Bowl with Tua and McDaniels. And you could, be in, you could still be in denial that the Bengals are ever going to win a Super Bowl with Joe Burrow and Zach something. Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor. There's, okay. I need you to know <laughs> that the president of the McLaurin auto racing team is named Zach Brown. And him and Zach Taylor are the same person. You have proof of this? 
You don't need proof. You can just look at them. They're both fat white guys. Oh, uh, okay. What are we talking about anyways? You know what, <laughs> I, you know what I think I hate the Bengals so much besides their attempted murder of DeMar Hamlin? Yeah, because they tried to kill a player on your team. Uh, that's a really fucked up joke to probably make. Yeah, it's, it's been like almost a year. Um, that's what they say. But, as long as it's been almost a year. Yeah. They remind me of a... They remind me of the Patriots with the worst record. Like, they're boring. Joe Burrow's... But, you know, well, I mean, the Patriots also had Randy Moss, so I get that. But like from, from, a one season. from a quarterback standpoint, I find Burrow to be averagely athletic and very boring, but he does everything so spot on perfectly the same way Brady was. Like, not perfectly, because he's had some shit games this year, but his, his poor calf was, was causing him to not know how to throw a ball. <laughs> Um, you know, they say your calf muscle is connected to your arm muscle. So that was want to point working. out that he they ran 92% of their plays out of the shotgun for the first three weeks because he couldn't get under center with his calf injury. That's true. But my point being is when he's on, he just reminds me of Brady in that he just does all the things you need to do, like spot on compared to like the Chiefs who are exciting to watch. You want to know why I don't like the Bengals? Why? Man, I really hope that no one listens to this podcast who's a <laughs> Bengals fan. Fuck them. It's like that episode of Rick and Morty when they're on the train and everyone's just telling stories about how much they hate Rick. Yeah. Um, I don't like the Bengals because the Commanders came one pick away from Joe Burrow. Mm. That was the draft we got Chase Young. One pick between the Commanders and Joe Burrow. And I will never forget it. Yeah, I blame you. That's why I don't like the Bills. Sorry about it. Could have had Josh Allen. You wouldn't have taken him. We, we wouldn't have used him, right? Yeah, Josh no. Allen be out of the league if he got drafted by the Commanders. <laughs> the Dan Schneider Commanders, especially. Yeah. Dan uh, Schneider would have been like, I need you to just chuck it all the time. While he snorts a line of coke. <laughs> just chuck it! <laughs> you, want, you want my last two awards real fast? Yeah. So, the first one related to this topic, in a weird way, how it somehow became related, is the Thanos That Does Bring a Smile to My Face Award. And it goes to watching the Chiefs have five turnovers, two interceptions, two fumbles lost, three turnovers by Mahomes. They get beat up in a shocking 24-9 loss for the Broncos to end their, like, what, like 16-game losing streak? Yeah. Went in. And then my other one is the keep talking shit, Mike. Keep talking keep talking shit directed at me award. And the person saying it is Dak Prescott. I put him down. I've doubted him. I don't know how I'm supposed to edit the audio to make that seem coherent. (laughs) Just don't. Incoherence, my brand. Uh, You mentioned it earlier. 25 of 31 for 304, four tutties. CeeDee Lamb has a career day, 12 of 14 for 158. Just just making me look like a fuel, Dak Prescott. A damn fuel. I got to go back. Okay. How... Your your Chiefs award. How is this the Thanos that makes you smile? Thanos has the quote where he says that does bring a smile to my face or something it, along those lines. In reference to what? Watching the Chiefs lose, that does bring a smile to my face. What does Thanos say it in reference to? I don't remember what happens, but he says that does bring a smile to my face. <laughs> and watching the Chiefs commit five turnovers and lose a dog shit game 24 to 9 does bring a smile to my face. What's so confusing about this? So your award is the Smile on My Face Award, but you somehow opened it with the Thanos Award. 
I was quoting that. Well, all right. The Thanos Memorial that does bring a smile to my face award. Does that work? No, because it still makes the Chiefs seem like they're Thanos. No, the Chiefs aren't Thanos. I'm Thanos. You are and the least Thanos, us- Thanos on the face of this fucking planet. The only thing you and Thanos you. have in, pro- in common is that Paul Rudd has been in your butt. <laughs> How dare you? Everywhere I go, people are like, you look just like Josh Brolin with less hair. Well, you but I'm like, bald same, like same, same, same out of hair as Thanos, at least. If I painted my body head to toe purple, you'd be like, oh, Thanos, what are you doing here? Give me, off the top of your head, name a Josh Brolin movie that isn't Thanos. Deadpool 2. Fuck, I didn't know you thought saw Deadpool 2. <laughs> the Goonies. Oh, god damn it. Why is Josh Brolin so on our lips this week? Oh, uh, he was in that movie that took place in like the 40s. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I can't remember the name of it. Killers of a Flower Moon. No, I wasn't what it was, sorry. The Irishman. Nah, say. Goodfellas. Tommy DeVito. <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore. Joe Pesci. <laughs> all right, let me make sure. I got I got some wrap-up notes here, but I think we got to all this. Gus Edwards, three touchdowns. De'Aaron Bland has three touchdowns on nine picks. Damn. That, you were right. We that were right. corner. Yeah, we were. The one time we've overlapped on, like, let's really grind into the numbers on this backup cornerback was De'Aaron Bland, and he turned out to be the... New Deion Sanders. You know um, what that is? What's that? That's the benefit of being on a 10-hour train ride to Chicago by <laughs> time remains. You should do that more often. Maybe you should do that weekly for these podcasts, or twice a week if we really want to really wanna climb those charts. Just ride the rails, brother. Just ride the rails. Um, yeah, I think we hit on everything. Dax played really well. Uh, Chiefs get dog walked by the Broncos. Jordan was at least... I wrote Jordan was at least good in his flu game. Um... You got any final notes before we get out of here, Mike? Uh, no, I guess just shameless plugs. Mm-hmm. I am officially the release date going forward for on Saturday will be Wednesdays as we are 10 minutes away from the official first college football playoff rankings of the season. So after that airs, I'll be hard at work on getting that done for tomorrow. Let's, uh, um, let's hear some guesses here, Mike. Give me your top, your top five. I'm going to say... Is Georgia still going to be number one? I have Michigan number one. I think they've just played so well. I think they're hands down the best team. I mean, because they but have... you can't rank the number one because <laughs> they had guys going to football games to steal signs, Mike. Military masterminds. <laughs> um, uh, I have Michigan, Georgia, Florida State, Washington, my top four. And then... Oh, sorry. Michigan, Florida. Michigan, Michigan, Georgia. Georgia. Florida State, I think, is the better team, but I don't know if the committee will see it that way. And then Ohio State, four, even though I think they're frauds, followed by Washington, five, and Oregon, six. Two Pac-12 teams. Pac-12 is good this year, brother. Don't sleep on the Pac-12. Except for USC. And then the last thing I wanted to say was thoughts and good vibes out to family and friends of Matthew Perry. Big bummer. I'm a massive Friends fan, as you know, and as someone who always fills the role in a group as the insecure, awkward, funny guy. Uh, I related a lot to the character of Chandler. What does that make me in our group, then? Uh, like specifically related to friends, or just yeah, in general? Yeah, yeah, related to friends. I don't know what you are. <laughs> you're an enigma. So I'm Phoebe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. You're the, you're the Phoebe. <laughs> oh, man, my brother's going to be pregnant. <laughs> that's not how, how that is. I thought that's you basically said, how that is. I thought you said my know. brother's gonna be pregnant, but you said my brother's gonna get me pregnant. Yeah. 
right. Uh, took a break from Team Town Alone last week. Just had some more stuff on my plate that I couldn't get to, but expect a new Team Town Alone. Also, check out week two of the League Pass watchability rankings coming out bright and early tomorrow morning. We'll say, I don't know, 8 a.m. Why not? It's my website. I can do whatever the fuck I want with it. Central time, people. Central time. Oh, it was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Central time. Um, I think I, I've started to figure out some of this coding bullshit, so we might have the site looking a little bit better in the next few days. Uh, check out our freshly minted TikTok at TAP, Talent Alone Podcast, on there. And uh, anything else, Mike? I got nothing. Yeah, it's got to give um, shout outs to the, the one true God, Talent Alone Universe. Big cock fox. There you go. Yes, sir.